Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Man, is that video true or what, right? My goodness, the word for 2020, dumpster fire. There it is, absolutely. Um, Hey, uh, I know we just had a pause at the end of our worship, but I'll be remiss. Can we honor the team once again just for leading us in worship? We're so grateful for them. Thank you, team. Thank you, team. Thank you, Pastor Dale, for introducing us. He is over at the East Campus preaching today, and it's good to be back here at the West Campus and back with everybody online. Great to see you guys. Happy to be here today. And Alyssa, it's been a crazy year. It's been a crazy week, that's for sure. And uh, it's funny, uh, we were really nervous. I know that, you know, there's all sorts of talks about the election being called and then, you know, any recounts being on, all that other crazy stuff. I was just nervous that we were, we published this video, promoted it everywhere, and if we didn't have a declared winner or not on Sunday morning, that would have been not great. But let me tell you, all the election stuff, no matter what side you're on, don't worry, I'm not going to get partisan, but whatever side you're on, there's all one thing we could celebrate, and all the talks with all the election, all the counting, and all the ballots in all the states this year, by God, Florida didn't screw it up. Yeah, we learned it. We learned how to count, dagnummit. So, so at least it wasn't us. You know, it's a strange year when all the pundits on TV and all the news anchors are going, how did Florida do such a good job with their election system? That's right. That's right. Florida man wins again. All right. Now, here is something that a friend did send to me this week that I thought was 100% accurate, and I thought it was a little funny. That's really pertinent with this week. Can I share it with you guys? Cool, I'm going to do it anyway. It's my sermon. Here we go. So a friend posted this yesterday, and I'm in 100% agreement with this. And this is what they said. I get it. You hated him four years ago, and you still hate him now. I've seen a lot of hate thrown his way, but this guy's a consistent winner and an overachiever. And that's what the people who support him love about him. Yes, there have been some scandals. Yes, there have been some lies. And maybe a few times he's twisted the truth to make himself look better. He's out there every day proving those haters wrong time after time. Call it jealousy. Call it envy. Some people just can't handle how successful he is or how much money he has or even be jealous that he's got a foreign model for his wife. You may not have wanted him in this role, but he's there now and there is nothing you or I can do about it. I know it's possibly going to get worse over the next several days, but like him or not, Tom Brady is turning things around in Tampa Bay. That's right. That's right. Go Bucks. Yeah. My Seminoles, they're not even playing football this year. They're playing lacrosse or something else. So who knows? At least I got the Bucks. How about that? All right. Enough about that nonsense. Well, it's good to see you guys here today. Again, we're starting a new series today. We're calling the Attitude of Gratitude. Everyone say that with me. The Attitude of Gratitude. And so Thanksgiving is 19 days away. Crazy, right? This year has gone by very fast or very slow, depending on what moment you find yourself in. Um, Anybody here already have Christmas trees up? 
No judgment. (laughs) Nobody here. There was like five people in the last service. This is the only year where I won't judge you for doing that the day day after Thanksgiving, right? Great. So um, it's holiday season time, and here's the deal. The team teaching, or the, excuse me, the teaching team, and I, when we're looking at series plan, trend plan out for the rest of the year, here's what we concluded, that even though this is Thanksgiving time or culture, they normally thinks about giving thanks, thinks about themes of gratitude and have an appreciative heart, that we decided it was really important to talk about gratitude this year, and it's not because of Thanksgiving. We decided we need to talk about gratitude in this moment right here, right now, because this has been a most difficult year for so many people. And if you were going to actually practice the art, the discipline, the attitude of gratitude, it's going to take extra Christian conviction this year, more than any other year, to do that. And here's what the ancient scriptures teach us. They don't teach us the power of positive thinking. But they tell us of the power of gratitude, what it means biblically from a Christian point of view, from the perspective of the Bible, and what it teaches, how it's different than what just normal Christian or self-help books might teach you, and how it's most helpful, not when life is going great, but actually gratitude is most helpful when life is most challenging. And so if you're in a challenging season right now, You are in the right place or you're watching at just the right time because God has a word for you today. So the title of today's message, we're calling this Give Thanks with a question mark on it. But if you haven't opened up your notes yet, maybe go ahead and open up the COH app and your sermon notes on there or open up Evernote or your journal. I encourage you to just take notes somehow, however you do that. We're in Colossians chapter three. It's in the New Testament. It's the second half of the Bible, verses 12 through 17. And this is the Apostle Paul writing here to us. He wrote this to Christians in a city called Colossae. We'll talk more about that in a minute. He wrote it to them, but these words are for us. So it says this here. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Is that a good word after an election season or what? For for over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask... Um, We've opened ourselves to you. We've worshiped you. We've given to your causes in the world. Lord, my simple prayer and our prayer here today is as we read your word, would you cause it to read us and examine our hearts and our lives? Come Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Okay, so let's talk for a moment about the background of what we just read. Um, This is a book that's written, like I said, by the Apostle Paul. It's also penned at the same time by his protege, Timothy. Um, Paul was dictating it. 
Timothy wrote it down. It, the authorship is attributed to both of them. This is written in the year 62 AD. And this is written from Rome. This is after, if you know the story of the Bible and the book of Acts and how it's kind of the, how the story and the message of Jesus spread through the known world. This is after the book of Acts. Paul is, um, he's in prison and he's in Rome and he's writing letters to all the churches. And so this letter is written to a church in a city called Colossae. Now, why is he writing to them? Well, if you rewind several years earlier, about 10 years prior to this being written, Paul was in a city called Ephesus. He was preaching the message of the hope of Jesus. And people in droves put their faith in Christ, became followers of him, were filled with his Holy Spirit, and started turning the world upside down. One of those guys who heard him in Ephesus was named Epaphras. And Epaphras then heard Paul's message, gave his life to Christ, changed everything, wanted everybody in his hometown, Colossae, to hear about the hope of Jesus. And so he took the message that Paul preached to Colossae, started a church, and it spread. And now there's a community of Jesus followers in that part of the known world as well. Fast forward to the year 62 AD. Epaphras has come to Rome to visit Paul, and there are problems in his church in Colossae. And he needs Paul to address some of them. And this is the theme of what Paul is trying to do to speak to this church. He's trying to pump the brakes on some theological issues that are starting to mess up their faith, their life, and mainly their love for each other and how you interact with God. And that's just not the spiritual part of you. If you don't get that part right, everything else falls from there. Now, in the midst of this passage that we just read, and like Paul is pumping the brakes on some of the theological issues we're talking about, you can see a theme that came up at least three times in even our verses from 12 through 17. It's the theme of gratitude. Gratitude. Now, if you go and read the rest of Paul, it's pretty undeniable um, the perspective that he lays down. What we're looking at today is not just what Paul says, which is deeply important, inspired by the Holy Spirit through human authors, but also the example of how Paul is living. You ever had somebody come to you, try to give you advice about life, and yet their life was a train wreck, like somebody giving you marriage advice, but their marriage stinks? Or, or like somebody trying to give you advice on parenting, and they don't have kids yet? <laughs> yep. Um, we don't listen to people like that. We get angry and annoyed with people like that. Paul is coming to us giving advice on how to have a perspective, a posture, a spirit, an attitude of gratitude. And we can see from his life, the man walks what he talks. Paul endured um, incredible hardship, incredible suffering, incredible persecution for his faith. The man was beaten multiple times within an inch of his life. Um, he's, he's literally in prison writing these words to us. Um, he experienced all sorts of difficulty, and yet unquestionably, when you read his words and you read his perspective, he had to have been one of, if not the most grateful, appreciative, person filled with thanks in maybe all of the scriptures, and maybe in human history. Now, we're not here to lift up Paul. We don't worship Paul. Paul put on his pants one leg at a time. He probably wore a robe. I'm not sure if they had pants or not. But if he lived today, he'd wear pants. He was a person just like us. But Jesus was so alive in Paul, it would do us well to imitate Paul to get what he had with Jesus. And if he had that perspective, then we got to know, we need to know, how did he do that? We're listening today, not just to what he said, how he said it. 
and how he lived his life as an example. So one of the things that we could see from Paul's life, they kind of, before we dive into the rest of our passage today, that's a really great pretext for what we're getting into today. Paul clearly, clearly, clearly teaches us this. Gratitude is not situational. Gratitude is not situational. This has to be one of the most common misunderstandings and mistakes it, uh, that when it comes to having a spirit and a posture of gratitude in life. So many people think Gratitude is based on external circumstances, like hashtag I'm living my best life now, hashtag blessed, hashtag grateful, where we think that when life is going great, when life is going well, at the end of the day, if more good things have happened than bad things, I'm going to be a grateful person, and that's actually the antithesis of what Paul practiced, and this is not biblical gratitude Gratitude from a Christian perspective is so much deeper and greater than circumstantial, situational gratitude. Look at this. We're going to put it on the screen, whether you're online with us or here in the room. Paul wrote these words also to a letter he wrote to the church in Philippi. It's called Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 says this. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned, here it is, the secret of being content. If you're taking notes or you, you got something with you to underline that, underline that phrase, the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I love that little phrase there that I've learned the secret of being content. Now, not that little book that you could buy everywhere in our world called The Secret, which is just project positive thoughts into the universe and it'll come back to you. That's not what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about something better than that. He's talking about the secret of being content, the secret of how to be grateful. Um, if Warren Buffett came to your house, if you're under 20, uh, Warren Buffett is one of the richest people on earth. Everyone else know who Warren Buffett is? Okay, Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha. He's literally one of the richest people on earth because um, he's the best investor on planet Earth. If Warren Buffett came to your house and knocked on your door, and he's totally going to knock on your door because he probably doesn't know how to text message people. But um, if he knocked on your door and you opened the door and he said, hi, I'm Warren Buffett. And um, listen, you know me as an investor, and I have learned the secrets of investing, of being an intelligent investor, and I want to share my secrets with you for free. Would you like to know? You would be stupid not to say yes, please. Right? Um, Let's say Rich Froning. Anybody know who Rich Froning is? Nobody. Great. Cool. Rich Froning um, is literally called the fittest man on earth. The fittest man on earth. He's multi-time CrossFit world champion, both as an individual and as a team member. Um, He's like, Seriously, he may not be an athlete like in the NFL or whatever, as far as, as far as fitness athletes go. He's the fittest dude on the face of the planet. And if Rich Froning came and knocked on my door, or if Rich Froning DM'd me on Instagram or whatever it may be and said, hey, would you like to know my secrets to fitness? I would first put my Oreos down and then say, yes, Mr. Froning, I would like to know how to be fit. The Apostle Paul is coming to us today to say to us, would you like to know the secret 
of how to be content. The secret of how to live a grateful, thanks-filled life. To really have a thanksgiving that's more than just turkey and dry stuffing. (laughs) What you really want to know, our answer is yes. A resounding yes. It's more than situational. Gratitude is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Paul teaches us from the passage we're looking at today from Colossians. The first of gratitude is a command. Gratitude is actually a command. It's more than just circumstances. It's more than situations. It's a command. Chapter 3, verse 15, he says this, just returning to our passage, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And here it is. And be thankful. Be thankful. Now, in the ancient language that this was written in, this is Koine Greek. And this is an imperative term verb. He's saying this is a command like, you must do this. Be thankful. Which is kind of weird and not motivating at all if you think about it. You ever remember your parents, maybe some of you teenagers here in the room, you ever have your parents looking and say, hey, be grateful. And you remember your parents going, hey, be grateful. Be thankful. Isn't that just motivating? Doesn't that just make you want to write thank you cards to people? That's not kind of the spirit of what Paul is getting at. So if we read that and kind of go, blech, he's commanding us to be grateful. I think that kind of misses the point. If we are repulsed by the command, we're missing the point. Let me show you why. Go ahead and throw up 315 again. Would you mind? Great. Where it says, be thankful. The word thankful there, if you have a physical Bible with you, maybe take notes in the app, circle it or note, make a note of this. The word thankful there in the ancient Greek, I'm going to teach you a Greek word here. I want you to say it with me. Ready? Eucharistos. Did somebody say tzatziki? Not that Greek. Not that Greek. Eucharistos. That's the word for thankful. Now, this may sound familiar to some of you because we have a lot of people in our church who come from a Catholic background. We have a lot of people in our church who may have come from more of a high church type of a background, not so much community of hope. I preach in my jeans and we have way more electricity on stage than should be allowed. Um, but that word, Eucharistos, is the word that we take more traditional churches, Eucharist, which what we call here community of hope, the Lord's Supper or communion. And that's where we do this about once a month here. We did it last week here at church where we lift up the bread and we lift up the cup. And in worship, we remember what God has done for us through Jesus. We say yes to it. We receive it. And we worship him for it. Now, Christians have believed for 2,000 years that communion, Eucharistos, is the climatic moment of all Christian worship. That all of our singing, all of our praying, all of our giving, all of our preaching, all leads to the table of the Lord where we lift up the bread, we lift up the cup, and say, thank you, God, for Jesus and everything he's done for us. Here's why you need to know this about gratitude. And what does this mean for you in 2020? You need to know this because what Paul is commanding, he says, and be Eucharistos, be thankful. He's not saying be positive, be, uh, be grateful, be thankful. What he's saying, it's not a command to positivity. It's a command to worship. It's a call to worship. It's not just project positivity out there. It's give thanksgiving up here. 
It starts there. If you want to learn how to have a grateful spirit in the midst of trying, difficult, painful days, you're not just trying to change your thoughts. You're setting up worship to God first. It's a command to worship. It's a call to worship. Now, it sounds weird still. Like, so God's commanding me to worship him? Seems egotistical. It's not. See, everything. I've followed Jesus long enough to know this by experience. Everything God commands of me is, yes, for his glory, but it's also for my benefit. I'm made to do this. And so are you. And so are you. See, I don't know where you might be with Jesus. Maybe you've never followed him. Maybe you used to and you walked away. Maybe you got distracted. Regardless of where you're at, I'm here to tell you every single human being is hardwired to worship. And when we do what we're made to do, to give thanks to God, something comes alive inside of you. It's like the engine turns on for what you were made to do, but have forgotten how to do. Pete Grieg, who is the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, uh, has a prayer app called Lectio 365. And if you follow me on Instagram, I took a picture of this and I put it online this week. And this is what Pete wrote in the prayer app. He says this, whenever I catch a glimpse of God's greatness, whether it's under the stars or singing a song in worship, I find myself simultaneously diminished to a place of greater humility and exalted to a place of greater authority. Without worship, I would be doomed to choose between insignificance or arrogance. When I kneel, I learn to rule. This is what worship does. When you first learn that to become a grateful person is to learn how to say thank you to God again. And when you do that, it prepares the way for God's presence to invade your life. The Psalms talk about this over and over and over again. That a thankful heart prepares the way for God. You depressed today? Some of you might be struggling with anger today. Some of you might be hurting today. Some of you might be lost today. You know what you need to do? You need to learn to practice gratitude. Learn to say thanks to God and worship in God's presence will find you. And it says in verse 15, and the peace of Christ will rule in your heart. Anybody need some peace in your life? This is the way. So we start there. Like, okay, so this is a command, but I don't know how to obey this or how to follow this. More on that later. We're going to get practical in a second. Here's what else we learned from Paul. It's not just a command. We learned that gratitude, it's a practice. It's a practice. It's not just a thought. It's something you do, actually. Verse 16, he says this here. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now, this is one of the ways they're expressing gratitude is through the practice and habit of singing and in worship, which we just did a few moments ago, which some of you have done at home. And as you're watching this, this is one way to develop the habit 
of gratitude is to have a, a continual practice of worship. COVID really messed that up. It was hard for a lot of us to learn how to worship at home. And for some of you who are still worshiping, man, it's tough to learn how to do this. But I'm proud of you for leaning in and continuing to lean in on this practice. This is really important. Now, what I'm here to tell you to do is that this is more than just come to church. You'll learn to be grateful. It's a good first step, but there's more. One of the ways that these people are expressing their worship, again, is through regular worship here. Singing is good. It's helpful, but there's more to it. Thank God, because if you've ever sat in the front row and heard me sing, you'll be grateful that I don't have a microphone on when I'm singing. So that's a good thing. Now, this is a practice, and it's important to make it a practice, not just, oh, I agree, I should worship God. No, it's something you need to learn how to do. You ever thought about how New Year's resolutions, which that's another thing coming up that's like 50-ish days away. Isn't that crazy? Hooray, 2020 is almost over. Okay. Um, with New Year's resolutions, it's interesting because I, I don't know how people are going to make re- New Year's resolutions around 2021. Those are going to be the weirdest things, right? Like, what are people going to say? I want to eat inside at a restaurant. Or I want my kids to go to school at their school. Or uh, I only want to wear a mask on Halloween and no other times, right? Anybody else ready to get rid of masks and stuff? Yes, I know, right? Amen. So I'm starting to think about some of these resolutions. And it's interesting because so often, most of people's New Year's resolutions fail. And they don't work. Now, our very own Vic Copan here, he is married to Kathy, our executive director of discipleship here. We love the Copans at our church. Amen? Amen. We love the Copans. Vic wrote in his book, Changing Mind, about why some people have a hard time changing their behavior as they begin to follow Jesus. And he took teachings from scripture and neuroscience together. And what do you know? The Bible and science don't contradict each other. They complement each other. You don't have to be anti-science to love Jesus. Did you know that? How about that? Now, what he says that in, in every human personhood, you have, Vic says this, five components of what makes you up. You have your soul. You have your mind. You have your body. You have the social component of who you are and your relationships, and then you have your will. And he says, when uh, before people make New Year's resolutions, all these five things are all going in the same direction for better or worse. Our will, our body, our mind, our social relationships, um, our soul, all those things are all going the same direction. When somebody makes a pithy New Year's resolution, the only thing they change is just their will. I want to lose weight. I want to eat better. I want to stop smoking. I want to quit drinking. I want to do social media less. They've only changed their will, but their soul, their mind, their body, and how they interact socially are all going this way, and this one's going that way. And we wonder why those don't work. And he says the simple solution is to develop some habits around what your will is deciding that will get your soul on board, that will get your mind on board, that will get your body on board, and we even get your social relationships on board. It's the power of habits. Jessica spoke to us about that a couple weeks ago, about the power of habits. So we need to learn how to make gratitude, not just, I want to be more positive and grateful, but we got to find some ways to do this stuff and to make it practical and to start doing things as a practice to develop the attitude of gratitude. How in the world do you do that? I'm glad you asked. More on that later too. Stay tuned.
We're going to come right back around. Trust me, the dog's going to swallow the tail, okay? Now, here's what we see from Paul, that gratitude is a command. Gratitude, it's a practice. And that when we learn to do those things, when we learn to worship God and to make a regular practice and a discipline of gratitude, what happens? Gratitude, it's a disposition. It's a disposition. Disposition is just someone's inherent, innate qualities. Like you've ever looked at somebody and said, you just have a sunny disposition. It's just who they are. Gratitude is meant to become a part of just who you are. He says here in verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That eventually, as you walk in the ways of Jesus, as an apprentice of his, that there's going to come a point when gratitude will begin to flow out of you, not because you're trying, but because it's just your disposition. I want to show you a picture. This is my grandmother. I know. I called her Nana. Everyone say, hi, Nana. Um, this was a picture from when I was in seminary, and this was about one week before Leah and Cade and I moved here to Palm Beach County. And uh, her name was Florence Johnston. Isn't that a good 1920s name, Florence? But like everybody in the 1920s, nobody called her by her real name. She had a nickname. And her friends decided when she was growing up, Florence doesn't fit you. You're called Kit. And it stuck. So my grandparents growing up were David and Kit Johnston my whole life. In fact, to honor her, we named uh, my youngest daughter uh, after her. So my youngest daughter, her name is Susanna, which is named after my mom. And then her middle name is Susanna Kit Johnston to be named after her, my nana. She went to be with Jesus about two years ago. And she's reunited with her loving husband, my grandfather, David Johnston, um, they're with Jesus. They love Jesus. They knew the Lord. They died with courage and in the presence of God. Incredible people. Heroes in my life. Now, let me tell you about my Nana. She was fun. She was joyful. She was positive. She was playful. She was funny. She was just the right amount of mischievous in the best way possible. Loved to play cards and get competitive with the family, and it was especially fun for me when I made her lose and say mean things to me. And you know what was the best thing about her? Is that she actually lived a hard life. I mean, you wouldn't know by looking at her. Look at how much joy is on her face. It's not just because I'm next to her. That's how she looked all the time. She's filled with joy and gratitude, but she lived a hard life. Her father died when she was eight or nine years old in a tragic car accident because they didn't have seatbelts back then. And he died. And let me tell you, if you're in the 1920s and your parents are immigrants and your father dies in a car accident and it's just the mother left to raise two girls, you're destitute. And it was already the Depression. She and her sister, my great aunt, were both shipped off to a farm 
to have to work to be able to eat because their mother couldn't provide for them because she didn't have enough jobs yet to be able to provide for her family because her husband died. Eventually, they got their two feet under them. Her older sister had to drop out of high school in the ninth grade to start working to help provide for the family, just the three of the girls together. My grandmother, uh, she, in church, married her boyfriend, her longtime uh, childhood sweetheart, her high school sweetheart. They were married for a few weeks, and then he was shipped off to World War II. They were together just weeks before he shipped off where he was shot down in combat and died. This woman has experienced great tragedy, loss of a parent, deep hardship and poverty, loss of a spouse and your childhood sweetheart and your best friend. This would cripple most of us, wouldn't it? It would. And yet here she was, the woman I knew, full of joy, full of life, full of gratitude, never heard her complain about anything. And it's not because she put lipstick on a pig. And it's not because she suppressed her pain. She grieved and went through it all with the Lord. But she chose a disposition of gratitude. I see it in my family. Mom and dad, if you're watching this, I see it in you. She rubbed off on you. And I see it. And I want it for me too. And what I see when I look at her and when I learn from her life and from the life of the Apostle Paul, I really see that we really, all of us here today have two choices. We have a choice to, one, have a disposition of being a grumbler, being a complainer. Or we have the choice to have a disposition of gratitude. You're going to have one or the other. What's it going to be for you? There's joy and peace over here. So how do you do this? How do you obey the command? How do you get practical with this? How do you practice this? How do you create this disposition? Here's what you do. I have a life hack, a gratitude hack for you that I want you to try out for the next seven days and then come back next week. That's this. Choose gratitude before the day begins. Not at the end. Not measuring the good and the bad because life is a mix of good and bad all the time. Not at the end of the day before the day begins, and here's what I want you to do for the next seven days. Anybody can do anything for seven days. This is simple. I want you to wake up, and before your day begins, take a moment to pause and count with five fingers five things you are grateful for and make it your prayer to God. Begin your day with gratitude. Practice gratitude. Make it your prayer. Make it your worship. And what do you know? Watch the Holy Spirit begin to make this your disposition. Amen? In fact, let's do that now. Would you bow your heads? And just you and God, and five fingers on one hand, count off five things you're grateful for, even if life seems like a total mess right now. Count five things to be grateful for and make it your prayer.
Lord, we thank you for the writings and the example of Paul who teaches us that no matter the situation or the circumstances, we can practice gratitude. And when we do so in worship of you, it changes everything and fills us with the joy and peace that we really long for most. Lord, would you change us? We confess to you. We are a grumbling people and a complaining people. Lord, me first. I'm a complainer and a whiner at heart. I confess that's my natural disposition in a fallen world. But I don't want to be like that. I want to be like you. You're the God of joy. You're the God of gratitude. Would you make me, make all of us like you, help shape us in this practice and in these habits and in these disciplines as we lean into you and your grace, transform us from the inside out. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, listen, if you're ready to take your next step in faith, either you're here in person or anybody online, I encourage you just text the word next to the number on the screen or just go to communityofhope.church slash next. Maybe you want to become a follower of Christ. Maybe you have a prayer request. Maybe life is hard. You need some prayer. Maybe you want to get more connected to the church. Just fill out that form. We'll reach out to you and get back with you quickly. Um, and if you're here in person, if you need prayer, we're going to have some prayer team at the tent outside. Don't be afraid to stop by there. But otherwise, would you please stand for a closing benediction? And I'm going to pray over us our theme verse from this series, Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.